Mary and Lissandro. I don't care what you say, I still stand by the fact of what I said last week. We have the best worship team in Kansas City. Yeah, so, hey, while you grab your Bibles, flip into Luke chapter 2, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Father, we thank you um, for that simple story, that simple message through song that God, that, that you used a woman that you called highly favored, a woman who was just like any other woman here, but yet at the same time as the one that you chose to bring about your son. And God, through that miraculous, supernatural thing called the virgin birth, where you literally touched Mary's body because you are the great creator, God, you brought about the son of God. You brought about Jesus Christ here on earth, God, with us. And for that, we celebrate during this season. So God, I pray that we would just understand the magnitude um, and be able to experience the joy that we can receive, the joy that we can have during the season, even in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, we're going to be continuing our Christmas Impossible series. And I know a lot of times when you think about the word impossible, you might think about things like this. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And everybody should be saying amen because right now the AFC West looks absolutely atrocious. Um, now, I won't, I won't go anything beyond that because the Broncos are obviously the cellar dwellers, so you guys can get your laughs and I'll just tuck my tail and be embarrassed. It doesn't happen very often. So, um, But really, seriously, when you think about impossible, sometimes... Christmas can be that. And I want to challenge you with this. Uh, as you're leaving, something that may seem impossible to you would be the fact that maybe somebody you know who doesn't go to church would come to church. All right? And so on your way out today, we've got our Christmas Eve invite. As a matter of fact, the last two years, our Christmas Eve service has been the most highly attended. For those of you who don't know, we had 160 last year, um, which is crazy. It's awesome, but crazy at the same time. So we have a thousand of these invites. Very simple. It says on the front, Christmas Eve service, December 24th. On the back, you can join us. It's got our website. It's got our address and everything there. Here's what we want you to do. Grab these on the way out. We have a thousand of them. Guess what? That means everybody, if everybody invites 15 people, we got a chance to have a thousand people here. Now, I don't know what we would do with a thousand people, but we'll just wing it. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a block party on Christmas Eve instead of having it in here. All right? But we have a thousand invites. We would encourage you to take these home, invite neighbors, invite friends, invite coworkers, invite people at the grocery store. When you leave a tip, throw the card down. You better leave a tip. That's my pet peeve. You don't leave a tip. Matter of fact, if you leave a tip of like two cents, don't leave a card. And if you leave a tip of two cents, you might do a heart check, all right? Because you never know where that, that person's situation is. So leave a tip, leave a card. Don't leave a tip. Please don't leave a card because I don't want to be embarrassed, all right? So Luke chapter 2, we're talking about Christmas impossible, and we're thinking about, and I want you to think about this, in the midst of what goes on over Christmas, a lot of times joy seems to be the impossible thing that comes up, Right? I mean, usually we get bogged down, we get discouraged, we get beat up. As a matter of fact, Friday, I was running around getting gift cards for um, our, our Christmas party we had Friday night. Uh, and in the midst of that, I was like, oh my gosh, do you people not work? 
of which I then went, wait a second, you're supposed to be working. All right, so, <laughs> all right, but there were people everywhere. And I'm sitting here going, what, you know, and so there was this point in time in my life, I'm sitting here going, ah, oh, this is impossible to have joy amidst the chaos of what's going on. But at the same time, I think that that's one of those things that we have to fight for. You have to learn to fight for joy in the midst of everything that's going on. You have to look for opportunities. You have to look for things that God is working in in your life, things that, or people that God is working through in your life as well, so that you can have a joyous time during the season. Because if not, the reality is, in the midst of trying to buy presents for everybody, in the midst of trying to go to every party, in the midst of trying to be nice to everyone when some people are just, you know, snarky and rude, joy seems to be one of those things that's like, dude, you're talking about joy. That's not even in my radar right now. Like, like there's joy has been, that, that was like a while ago. All right, and so I want to challenge you today as we dig into this that to, to, to try and identify in the midst of what is really, when we sing about it, should be one of the most wonderful times of the year. Why does it turn into such a pain for most people? All right, so as we think about impossibility, I want you to think about this, and I, had to, I, I was blown away when I looked at this. According to a website called statista.com, the average person this year will spend $906 on Christmas gifts. That, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm like, well, who's average, all right? That means for every person who spends about 100, that means there's somebody who spent almost 2,000, all right? So that just lines that up. But, but $906 on Christmas gifts, according to a Pew Research survey, gift giving sparks mixed feelings. 83% said giving and receiving gifts makes them feel joyful. But listen to this. At the same time, 46% felt stretched financially. They were too st 36% felt stressed out. And 23% felt wasteful in the gifts they buy. See, fewer than half of the adults polled actually are looking forward to giving and receiving of gifts. So hear, hear me out, 83% said they experienced joy, but fewer than half, 46%, don't even look forward to giving or receiving gifts. So in the midst of that, we have to find joy in what goes on. And so I have to dig in. We want to dig into Luke chapter 2 and find out what it takes to be joyful in a season that really should be filled with joy. You know, I know for some people, joy is different. My idea of joy, I love to decorate my house, and I know some people think I'm weird. I've had people tell me, especially other guys, you catch me. Matter of fact, my dad, I would tell you this. My dad does not enjoy putting lights up on the house. Matter of fact, my mom used to say, when are you going to decorate the house? And he would say, never. They don't even have my mom. I called my parents yesterday. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I can't sit here. I, I can't do this. I have to decorate my house because they weren't going to decorate at all because they're going to my sister's in Alaska for Christmas. And my dad's like, well, I put up decorations. We're not going to be here. And my mom, when I called yesterday, again, like I said, she's like, oh, I was like, what are you doing? Said, I'm decorating the house. I can't, I can't make it not be Christmas. My dad, my dad could sit by the fire and be perfectly happy with no Christmas tree, no Christmas lights, and everything would be fine. And I know that there are guys here today. They're like, heck yeah, that's me. Don't ask me to do a thing. And then there's ladies who have like 30 Rubbermaid totes stored away in your attic, and you got everything under the sun that has to be decorated. I saw a picture of one of my friend's grandma's house, and her bathroom had more Christmas lights than my house does. 
all right? Like this, I was like, holy smokes, she decorated her bathroom with a, a, a lighted Santa, or not a Santa, a lighted snowman in the corner, in the bathroom, like one of the six-foot-tall snowmen, all right? So I was like, what the heck is your deal, all right? But when you think about that, when you think about joy, joy is oftentimes relative to other people, but I want you to remember this, and here's the big statement as we get ready to read. The big statement is this, that Christmas should be full of good news and joy, not busyness and worry. And while you think about that, that Christmas should be full of good news and joy, not busyness and worry, let's jump into Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we'll go on from there. Listen to what he says. This is the story of the birth of Jesus in Luke, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, what? It shone around them, and they were terrified. All right, now, I don't think sometimes we really understand the magnitude of what's going on, so we're gonna jump into that here in a little bit. But verse 10 says this, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, and if you like to write in your Bible, and I would encourage you to do that, or highlight, is to circle the word all and underline people, all right? That will be for all the people, because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And so today we're going to dig in. When we say this big statement, this key theme that Christmas should be full of good news and joy, not busyness and worry, I know that some of you are so busy and so worried that when I say that just simple statement, you automatically are like, yeah, but you have no clue what I'm going through. And look, I understand I understand there's heartache, I understand there's turmoil, I understand there's conflict, I understand there's financial worry, I understand that there are all kinds of things that can bog you down and weigh you down and, and worry you during a time and a season that really should be all about what? Joy. The reality is all of those things that we tend to let, us, to, tend to let bog us down or slow us down are not the key point or the key theme or the key reason why Jesus ever came in the first place. It's not even the key reason why we celebrate. Look, I love to give gifts. I love to receive gifts. I'm not the guy who's like, nope, not gonna take it. Sorry, wouldn't, no. I mean, like a dude walks up to me, he's like, hey, I got this gift for you. I'd be like, hey, thanks. I love to give gifts. I love it when somebody doesn't expect something. When I get to surprise somebody with like just this unbelievable gift, it's like the best feeling in the world. And there's no strings attached. It's just something I want to give. All right? But when we dig down and get to the heart of the matter, the, the, the season, why we celebrate what we celebrate, none of it's wrapped around gifts necessarily. But it's wrapped around a gift. And so here's the question today. When we remember that Christmas should be full of good news and joy, not busyness and worry, we want to ask this question. How can I experience Christmas joy? So the question is, how can I experience Christmas joy? Because the reality is, a lot of us are not possibly experiencing Christmas joy. So number one is this. 
We have to understand that God shows up to ordinary people. Look again what he says in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. See, the picture we see is a positive picture, one that breathes hope into our world. God shows up with an angel and shows up to who? Shepherds. Like, seriously? He chose shepherds. Like, not a king, not a governor, not the rich folks. Not, I mean, I mean the, the reality is he shows up to ordinary blue-collar workers back then. You remember my joke last week about how everybody told me independence is like the armpit of Kansas City? Yeah, you, you remember that. You know that. You know how independence is really identified as blue-collar workers. All right? Jesus, or sorry, the angel shows up to who? Independence, man. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm going to go to independence because nobody expects anything good to come out of independence. I don't mean that in a knock. What I'm saying is that tends to be the reality or attitude of people. And the angel shows up to the shepherds, a normal, ordinary, everyday, blue-collar worker, and the angel shows up and he says, hey, I bring you good news of great joy. This is awesome. This is great news. And so we have to understand that God shows up to ordinary people. It's not rich it's not some big political person. It's not the major league baseball player or NFL football player. All of those people are people just like you and I. And the reality that we have to begin to understand is that when God shows up, God shows up in great ways in ordinary people's lives. And so how do I experience joy? I experience joy knowing that God showed up to me. God showed himself off to me, an ordinary person a person that most people aren't gonna know, except for my close friends. I don't have a big following. I don't have a lot of famous, you know, clout behind me. I don't have people like that. It's not me. He shows up to an ordinary people. And so God is involved, not just with the special, powerful, or great, but with all people. And that's the beauty of the story. And so when you begin to understand that God shows up to ordinary people, when Jesus comes down, that's a simple step in a way to say, listen, what you identify as ordinary, God can make magnificent. What you identify as ordinary, God can make great. And it's not by anything that you and I can do, but it's solely based upon what he has already done for us. And so the beauty of this story, again, is that how we understand that God shows up to ordinary people. See, God chose to communicate with shepherds. Could you imagine being the shepherd? Like you're minding, I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> I've had a cold all week and uh, getting over this. But can you imagine being a shepherd out in the field? It's dark, you're with a bunch of sheep. You're trying to keep your eyes on them. You're probably going to sleep, all right? Starting to relax. Sheep are kind of starting to bed down. You're gonna keep your eyes open for a little bit, but then you're gonna sleep as well. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And listen again what he says, real quick. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's dark. Now, if you've ever been in a dark, pitch black situation at night with no moon, maybe, and all of a sudden a light shows up, guess what it is? Pretty what? A terrifying, creepy. Yeah, you're just like, whoa, what the? They're out there at night, 
And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and I love what he says, and the glory of the Lord, what? Shone around him. We're gonna dig in and we're gonna unpack that, but as you begin to understand what's going on, he chooses to communicate with shepherds who are everyday people because his commitment and birth is for all people. And we have to begin to understand that when, we, when God shows up, when Jesus comes down to earth, his birth as well as his death was for all people, not some not a chosen few, not the rich, not the, the elites, not all. It was for ordinary people who were in the same situation as elite people. That Jesus came for all people. And that's the beauty that we can experience today because when we understand that God shows up to the ordinary people, you can begin to understand this, that every person in the Bible that God used was an ordinary person. And every person that God still continues to use is an ordinary person person. I can experience joy because God has chosen to use me, an ordinary person from Wyoming at all of all that. I mean, come on. The reality is when I talk to people, what, 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 what's there to do in Wyoming? Well, not much. You like to hunt and fish. You got, it's golden. You want big city? Don't go there. But God chose to use me, an ordinary person. God chose to use you as an ordinary person, and he shows up to ordinary people. Number two, how can I experience Christmas joy? Look for God's glory. As you begin to look for God's glory, you begin to experience more and more of God's glory. See, the birth of Jesus took place in humble circumstances, right? Born in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, and he enters the world in a very mundane and ordinary way, but yet the glory of God is what is primary. The glory of God is what is the focus in everything. See, Jesus, he came from the most humble of ways, and he wasn't born into a rich family. He wasn't born into a wealthy family. He wasn't born into a royal family with fine linens and much celebration about his kingdom. He was simply born into a manger wrapped in cloths. And that's the very glory of God played out in the very simplest of fashions. But I want you to think about this even on a larger scale. As we're walking through life, do you look for the glory of God? Because in the Bible, listen to this, in the Bible, God's presence is often symbolized by intense light or fire or lightning. And the glory of God is often associated with the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament. But God is certainly greater than any symbol we can use of him. And so I want you to remember, when we think about the glory of God, here's the reality of what takes place. The glory of God, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They are trapped in darkness. They're, 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 they're watching over the sheep and God's glory shows up. And now all of a sudden, it's overwhelming. Because like I said, in the midst of something that is pitch black, all of a sudden the light of God is evident. The glory of God shows all around. And the beauty of that story is this, that God's glory still, after all of this time, shines brightest in the darkness. God's glory shines brightest in the darkness. See, maybe after over 2,000 years of publicity, we've taken the amazing involvement of God with us for granted. But we should have a sense of awe and wonder. Listen to what happens again. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The glory of the Lord shone around them. See, here's, here's the big picture. When, when you think about Revelation, if you guys will think to me to the end, all right? 
In the beginning, God created, right? He creates everything. He speaks everything into existence with man. He forms and fashions it, all right? He's talked about light. He leads us people by a, clear, a pillar of, of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. In, in the New Testament, it says God is light. In him, there's no darkness. So we've got the light thing. In the Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, I'm gonna read this. God's glory, it says, will light the world in the end. Verse 20, or chapter 21, verse 23. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the lamb, all right? The lamp is the lamb. So when you see that picture that we look for God's glory, in every instance as it goes on, do you look for God's glory? Why? Because God's glory is light. In him there's no darkness. God's glory shines around. I begin to look for God's glory in the small things, in the mundane things, in the everyday things. As a matter of fact, things like this. When my son gets up or my daughter gets up or when I wake up in the morning and I actually have another day, do you realize that that's God's glory in your life? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So do you experience God's glory? Do you look for God's glory? Or do you let, listen, because I'm, the, I'm this guy. Do you let the negativity, do you let the problems, do you let the busyness overwhelm you and then you begin to look for all the bad instead of all the good? How do I experience true Christmas joy when all I see is bad? You have to change your perspective. You begin to change your perspective. And so I love this, as I think about it, just imagine being in a pitch black room and all of a sudden an angel shows up and that room is no longer. And the reality is you would be terrified. The angel shows up and all of a sudden the glory of God is there and And I even think about it this way because it says it's shown all around him. Could you imagine being out in a field? It's pitch black. You don't see anything. And all of a sudden you can see everything. Like, whoa, what the heck's going on? Look for God's glory in everything that goes on in your day in and day out stuff. That's how you're going to experience joy in the Christmas season because you look for glory in the small things too. God, what are you doing in the midst of this story of my life? God, thank you for the blessings of my kids. Look, I know, I know how frustrating it can be. But I also know that when I change my attitude or I change my perspective and how I view things, then things look better in the big picture. See, God's glory is seen in the healing of someone sick, the saving of someone near death. But God's glory is also seen every morning I wake up and every time I take a breath and every time I kiss my kids as they go off to school and every time I get to experience every waking minute with my wife and my family, those are the things that we begin to look for God's glory. And then I ask, what can I do from that? So how can I experience Christmas joy? We said, number one, understand God shows up to ordinary people. Number two, look for God's glory. Number three, how do I experience Christmas joy? Don't be frozen in fear. It says they were terrified in verse nine, but then listen to what happens. The angel said to them, do not what? Do not be afraid. There are all kinds of fear knots in the Bible and I could spend some time going over them, but I want you to think about this. Anytime we allow fear to overcome us, anytime we allow fear to hold us back, that fear will keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. Matter of fact, I saw this week a picture that said this. Fear has two meanings. Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. 
Forget everything and run, or I can face everything and rise. The reality is you're not going to face everything on your own. You're going to face it through Christ. You will learn to be content in the circumstance that God has placed you in. And as a result of that, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can face everything and rise, not in my power, not in my good works, but in the power of Christ in me. So I don't get frozen in fear, but rather I move forward in faith. When we let fear freeze us, we are not successful in what God wants us to do in the first place. But see, these shepherds saw the glory of the Lord and their fear was justified. They just saw a a glimpse. You get that picture? Anytime somebody came face to face with God, what happens in the Bible? Matter of fact, there's a point in the Bible where Moses uh, is going, asked asked to see God face to face and God says, oh, oh, uh, nope, you can see me, but I'm going to put you in the rock. I'm going to hide you with my hand, and as I pass by, you're going to see me. Because if you saw me face to face, you're done. The shepherds just saw a glimpse of God's glory, and they were frozen in fear. A healthy fear for who God is, but at the same time, listen, the angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be so stuck in fear. Matter of fact, there's a quote that says this. Plato uh, says this quote, courage is knowing what not to fear. And so in the midst of that, there's a healthy fear of God, but at the same time, there's a healthy respect of God so that you're not afraid for who he is. So don't be frozen in fear. Don't be afraid to move forward because fear keeps us focused on the past and worried about the future. Fear leads us to inaction or bad decisions. And I love what ends up happening because These guys, these normal everyday Joes, these blue-collar workers could have let fear overcome them. And as a result, listen, what would have happened? They could have said, there's no way we're going to that stable. No way we're going to the manger. Why? Because we let fear overcome us. And as a result, whoa, we don't want to do anything, so we're not even going to be obedient. Instead, what you see is later they go to the manger. They go to worship. Why? Because they weren't frozen in fear. They moved forward. They faced what was going on and they moved forward. So fear leads us to inaction or bad decisions, whereas faith will lead us to action and good decisions. See, there's nothing to fear when God moves with grace. And that's exactly what this picture is here, that God moves with grace by the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. So number four, how do I experience joy this Christmas? You have to remember the good news. Listen to what he says again, verse nine. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord showed around them and they were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why should they not be afraid? He answers the question. What's he bring? I bring you good news of what? Great joy, exceeding joy, happiness that cannot be measured or imagined. All right, there's this good news that of great joy that will be, and this is the beautiful thing, that will be for all people. So you have to remember the good news. The good news is the message of the hope in the Savior of the world. This Christmas, you've got to spend time, and I would challenge you with this, spend time focusing on the message of hope in Jesus Christ. I would almost guarantee you that in today's world, you'll spend more time shopping for Christmas stuff than you ever will spending time focused on the Savior. And that's your Baptist believers. 
How many of you admit that? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you would admit that in your heart, that you spend more time shopping than you do spending time with your Savior? Do you want to know why you're wore out, exhausted, worried, having no joy? That'll spell it out right there. Because when you spend more time and make a priority on something that should not be the main focus. Listen, I understand. I love gifts, like I said. I love giving and receiving. But when you allow those things to become the focus and the primary focus, number one, your kids never understand the true meaning. Number two, you're never going to experience true, true joy. True joy comes when I remember the good news. As a matter of fact, one of our our uh, habit, I say habit, one of our traditions growing up was we went over to my grandparents' house every Christmas Eve and all the cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody exchanged gifts. But before we ever exchanged gifts, number one, we went to candlelight service. Number two, we read the Christmas story. So we went to candlelight service, then went back to my grandma's house, and guess what we redid? The Christmas story. We read Matthew, we read the Gospel of Luke. And now listen, as an eight-year-old kid, it was torturous. Because what's an eight-year-old kid doing? I just want my present. Give me my present. As an adult, you know what I cherish the most? The story. As a teenager, as you got older, I guess the, the, the grandkids, the older grandkids were the ones who read. So when you got to a certain age, then you were the one who read. You know, it was like me and my cousin, the two oldest would, would read. And then the next year was two older ones. And, and we read the story to everybody else. But my grandparents, my aunt and uncles, and my parents always made that a priority. Listen, I love Christmas carols. I love the night, twas the night before Christmas. But none of those are life-changing and life-altering like the message of the, of the gospel. Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection is the primary purpose we celebrate Christmas. So we remember the birth of Jesus. We focus on that. We remember the good news. Why? Because the birth led to his death and his death led to our salvation. Think about that and remember that. The gospel is good news of great joy. That's the, the, the reality of what, to vanquish all fear, to do away with all sin. Why can't people understand it? It's not a list of rules and regulations, but only for those who believe, who by faith alone, in Christ alone, and put their trust and faith in Christ. They're right with God, right with Jesus, and as a result, that's the good news they have. And so when I remember the good news, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All people. All. all those who believe, there's still good news and great joy for everybody. Who experiences great joy? Those who believe. Those who have put their faith and trust in him. Why? Because in verse 11, listen to what he says. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to who? To you. To you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Jesus shows up for ordinary people. The angel showed up to ordinary people, but Jesus was born and Jesus died for ordinary people. 
the ordinary, everyday, blue-collar Joe Schmo that maybe is never a millionaire, never going to be on the Kansas City Chiefs or the Kansas City Royals, never going to be a person of great influence in a worldly sense. Jesus died for that ordinary person, just like he died for you, just like he died for me. So I remember the good news because when I remember the good news, I remember the very reason why Jesus was born in the first place. And then number five, how can I experience Christmas joy? I remember that joy is for all. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, God desires all people to see and experience Christ as Lord and Savior. The choices you have is do I choose to believe In a world today that says, ah, really? You really think that happened? You really think the virgin birth is real? You really think that God supernaturally did this, that Jesus, who preexisted before he was born in human form, all of a sudden comes down in human form, born of a virgin, lives a perfect life, died on the cross. You really believe that? And the reality is, yeah. What is impossible, remember we talked about this last week, what is impossible with man is only possible with God. And what may seem impossible for you, the joy that we talk about, the struggles of overcoming what Christmas may have become, the joy that, that seems to be stolen or run from you, joy is possible. But you have to change your priority. You have to change your perspective. You have to look at the big picture. Why? Because salvation is not something to be expected only in the future or at the second coming of Jesus or in heaven after death. It can be experienced here and now. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. And so what we understand is that joy is for all now, not later, because joy is a result of our salvation that starts now, not Later. So Jesus' birth points us to Jesus' death, proclaiming Jesus' eventual death, and Jesus' death pays the price that we couldn't pay, never have been, never will be able to pay, and as a result, we can have joy. So in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of the heartache and the turmoil, the hustle and bustle, I want you to remember the joy you have in Christ the Lord because here's the big picture. David in Psalm 51 says this, as a result of his confession of his sin, as a result of seeing what he did, all right, David pens this Psalm, Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, verse 12, he says this, restore to me, the joy of my salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And I believe this wholeheartedly and this is one of the things that I think we overlook oftentimes. The reason we oftentimes don't experience joy is because we don't celebrate our salvation. We don't celebrate the fact that what is impossible with man is possible with God. We don't think about the reality of Jesus' birth leading to Jesus' death. We don't understand what it means to celebrate salvation. We kind of just walk through the motions. But David says this, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That in the midst of everything that's gone on in my life, in the midst of my sin, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of me running for my life from my my, my best friend's dad in the midst of me 
you know, killing a man because I was cheating with his wife. In the midst of all of that, I have confessed my sins, he says in Psalm 51 earlier, and then he says this, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of salvation is for all. The question is, do you celebrate your salvation? Do you remember your salvation? Do you remember the fact that God saved you, that Jesus' birth was the beginning of God's plan to redeem you. And the idea of redeeming is to purchase you. He bought you. Salvation is the gift from him and you as a result, are a sacrifice, a gift to the Father from the Son because the Son has purchased you, has bought you, has redeemed you. And so what I hope today is it's just in a simple way that in the midst of everything that goes on, that what may seem impossible in the chaos, which is joy, You may say, there's no way that joy is even possible. What may seem impossible is possible for you. Why? Because God's glory is primary. Because he shows up to ordinary people, ordinary, everyday Joes. And we look for God's glory, that we're not frozen in fear, that we remember the good news and remember that joy is for all. And so may that be your prayer today. As I pray, would this just be something that you echo? Father, we pray that we would understand in the midst of everything that's gone on, maybe the chaos that we have allowed to overwhelm us, maybe the fact that we have put a higher priority on shopping for gifts rather than celebrating who you are and celebrating our salvation. And so God, I pray today that we would Pray that prayer right where we're at, each one of us. God, would you restore to us the joy of our salvation? Because you brought good news with great joy for all people that a Savior would be born to you, to us. And his name is Christ the Lord. So God, I pray that in the midst of this, this crazy, chaotic season, that we can sit down, relax, and celebrate with great joy because of our salvation in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you stand and sing, I just want that to be an echo for your heart, that you would restore, that God would restore the joy of your salvation. And we'll close with that.